uh, you know, we, we kicked off the Christmas season in a big way Friday night at Tavern Carol's. I, uh, I hope you guys showed up. I hope you had a good time. Hope your friends had a good time. I met so many of your friends. It was just a, just a great way to just launch into this, uh, to this season uh, called Christmas. And uh, I mean, we're continuing uh, to, to not, not try to be busy, but give you opportunities to, to be involved in, in the Christmas story and, and taking the Christmas story to, uh, to our community. And we got two opportunities for you uh, next week. Uh, on Saturday morning is the Mission Arlington bike drive. Uh, and uh, so, so what that, that's been going on for 16 years. And uh, it started with just a couple of families that uh, they, they wanted to teach their kids that there's more to Christmas than just giving gifts, receiving gifts. And so they took their kids down to, uh, down to the store and they allowed their kids to pick out bicycles and they took them to Mission Arlington. And just from a couple of families, that's grown into thousands of bikes being given away. And, and so we have an opportunity. Uh, so next Saturday morning, uh, we're gonna meet in, in the parking lot out here at 9 a.m. And wanna encourage you to, to take your family, go down to Walmart or Target or, or, and, and grab a bike. Let your kids pick out a bike and, sh- and share with them that this is for a kid that doesn't need a bike. And they take these bikes and, and then there's a big parade that goes down to Mission Arlington. You get to honk your horns and, the, and some police escort and the fire trucks and get to deliver these bikes. And when these bikes are delivered to kids who have been a part of the Mission Arlington uh, church, apartment churches and they tell every kid who gets a bike, they said, this bike was bought by somebody who loves Jesus and we want you to know that Jesus loves you. And so it is just an incredible time. If you want to stick around and help deliver some bikes that day to some kids, you can. But that's next Saturday at 9 a.m. We'd love for you to come and be a part of it. And then on Sunday, uh, and we've, we've been doing this thing called the Youth World. And Youth World is an inner city ministry to Dallas. And next Sunday afternoon, uh, we're going to meet at the Target on East Chase. And uh, kids from inner city Dallas are going to be brought over. And we're going to pair you up with a kid from inner city Dallas and uh, you get to take them shopping and to buy them what they want. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't cost you anything. The church is paying for it. You've already paid for it with your generosity and your sacrificial giving. And so you just take them around Target and help them choose what they wanna get for Christmas. And uh, so, uh, so you get to do that for up to $75. And if you wanna pitch a couple, you know, a couple extra dollars in there, you can, but um, but up to $75, you get to buy them their gifts and then you take them to the break room and you unpackage everything um, so that those things can't be taken back uh, by family members. And this, the kids, they, they're, their faces just light up because you, you, know, you get an opportunity to build a relationship with them and tell them that Jesus loves you um, and, uh, and, and get to shop with them. So if you're interested in that, I mean, we, you know, we need about 50 families that will help do that. There's a sign-up sheet right out here um, and that way we can partner you up with a kid. It doesn't cost you anything, just a little bit of your time, and it is so, so worth it. So, well, we continue our Advent series uh, today, and you know, last this week, I mean, you guys did a great job of posting your Advent uh, home celebrations on social media, and hopefully you got to see some of those pics. Uh, do that again this week. Uh, if you didn't get an Advent kit, we still have some out here, and uh, this week, as you like the candle of love, and, you know, do the, read the scripture, do the devotion, take a picture of the people that you're with and uh, post it on social media using the hashtag uh, GCC Advent. And we get to, then we get to kind of celebrate together 
uh, Advent. And um, the spiritual challenge of this time of year, the spiritual challenge of Christmas is to hear um, this life-changing message through, all, through, through the busyness of, of the season, through all the noise of the season. And that's why we landed on this, on this title that presence is greater than presence. And, and, and the challenge is this year, could we just slow down enough? Could we slow down enough to, to be present in people's lives, wherever we find ourselves, whatever party we find ourselves at, wherever we find ourselves at with our family and friends, could we just be present but also, could we slow down enough just to enjoy the Lord's presence in our lives? And what we will find when we do that, when we engage our hearts and our minds and just enjoying the presence of the Lord and being present for other people, what we'll discover is that the, the gift of presence is far better than any gift, any present we can give or receive. And so that's, that's one challenge of Christmas. But another challenge at this time of year is that have we become so familiar with the Christmas message? Because we, we've seen the, the pageants, we've, you know, we've seen the kids' you know, school you know, plays, we've seen the Hallmark movies, we've, we've heard the Christmas story you know, hundreds of times. But have we become so familiar with the story of Christmas that we don't really hear it anymore? And it's kind of like uh, several years ago, uh, I got invited to come over to somebody's house and they, uh, they wanted to find out more information about the church. And so I went over there and, um, they, and, and, and just relax, they, they, don't, they moved away. They don't attend here anymore, okay? So this isn't about y'all, okay? Um, but uh, I go over there uh, to answer some questions and I sit down and uh, we start talking, but immediately when I go in, I notice this chirping of the smoke detector, all right? And, uh, and so, uh, unlike my smoke detectors, these smoke detectors had the courtesy to start chirping in the middle of the afternoon, uh, not in the middle of the night. I don't know, I don't know if that's programmed in there or not, uh, but they tend to go off in my house in the middle of the night. And so, but, uh, so we're talking and I'm trying to sell, you know, not sell, but I'm just trying to get them, you know, let them know how great of a church GCC is. And, and so I, I'm, I'm bragging about how many police officers and firemen come to our church. And, and, and so, um, so I, I say, hey, um, man, we have a lot of firemen that attend Gospel City Church and uh, would love to uh, have one of them come over and change that battery uh, in that smoke detector. And she looks at me and she says, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, we don't even hear it anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean you don't hear it? That's all I've heard for the last 15 minutes is this chirping of the smoke detector. But, but as I think about that, has the Christmas story become that for us? Are we just so familiar with it? Okay, guys, all right. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's the greatness of having a board op back there. Um, but, uh, but have we become so familiar with the Christmas message that we don't even hear it anymore. You see, the message of Christmas is that, that God came to earth in the flesh to rescue the world from its sin. And, and where we're going this morning is that we need, to, we need to embrace the message of Christmas intellectually with our mind. In other words, we need to critically think about the story. 
Um, but we also need to let it land on our hearts and we need to embrace it emotionally to the point that it impacts our allegiances. And that's where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn to Luke chapter, <laughs> chapter one, Luke chapter one this morning. Um, somebody put this cookie in my Bible. Uh, these cookies randomly showed up this morning. We don't know who brought them. We don't know who they're from. Okay, they just showed up. They weren't here when we got here at 7.30, but they were here at eight. So we don't know where they came from, but me being a germaphobe, I'm not eating, touching this. Because uh, I don't know the source. And so the band thought it'd be a little funny to put this on and give that to me. Uh, anybody got a hand sanitizer on them? Um, so, um, so the message of Christmas um, needs to land on our minds intellectually. Let's just jump in Luke chapter one. Verse 26, let's, let's read a bulk of this story um, and let it maybe, maybe land on our hearts and maybe in a different way than it has for a long, in a long time. It says, in the sixth month, Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth was the much older cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, God sent an angel. And by, and by the way, Elizabeth, she's pregnant with uh, John the Baptist, Okay. And John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. I mean, this is John the Baptizer, crazy John, okay? Um, and, and God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. There, there, so there's a lot of detail here that, that um, Luke has given us. It says, greetings, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Let's just say that together. The Lord is with you. Let's say it again. The Lord is with you. So right there, right away, we see the presence of the Lord in the Christmas story. And we gotta slow down enough because we just kind of read over that and we need to see that, that what we see in the, and what we experience in the Christmas story is the presence of God in our lives. And Mary was greatly troubled, okay? Now, now <laughs> I'm sure she was. I mean, you know, here she is praying to God and, uh, and an angel shows up. And this wasn't a common everyday occurrence, okay? Angels weren't like showing up every day. And uh, I mean, imagine if you went to, you know, sit down at your kitchen table and you start praying and all of a sudden an angel appears, okay? I mean, that would be, that'd be kind of scary, kind of frightening. But, but an angel, Mary, Mary was greatly troubled, I'm sure she was, <clears throat> at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with the Lord. Now, now she didn't find favor with the Lord because she was perfect. And she didn't find favor with the Lord because her religious track record was better than anybody else. She found favor with the Lord because the Lord chose to put his favor on her. She, she wasn't any different from anybody else. She was, she was a believer in God. She, she, she followed the customs of Judaism. And, and so, but, but there was nothing special about Mary other than the fact that God chose Mary for this very, very special appointment. And he says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
how can this be? That's a pretty good question, okay, that Mary is asking. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Holy the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So, so here Mary is, she's in the, you know, the presence of God is upon her, but she's still processing this news. She's still taking it all in. She's still trying to figure it out. And so she goes to Elizabeth her cousin, her much older, wiser cousin. And this is what Elizabeth says. Verse 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. See, Mary is still, she's still trying to process how in the world can the impossible become, the, become possible. And Mary says in verse 34, she says, how can this be? Now, now, a lot of people in this world are still asking the question, of, the same question about this same story is how can this be? Because a lot of people think, okay, well, you know, it's one thing for Mary to believe that God came in the flesh, but come on. I mean, we live in modern times. We're more educated than people back then. We're more sophisticated. We're more advanced than them. So, you know, it, it's, it's one thing for, for, for them to believe, but you can't, truly, you can't really expect me to believe that this story is true, right? And that's what some people that we know, some of our friends and family, maybe some of us, and, and if that's you, here, I'm so glad you're here today. You have, are in the right place. But some people think that, you know, that because we live in a modern culture that, that, that it's, and they lived in a, in a first century culture that was easier for them to believe. And, and let's, let's just take a look at that. Let's look at the different worldviews that were prominent in this first century and that, that modern day people say, you know, it was much easier for them to believe this kind of story. So you have the Greco-Roman culture, worldview. And this Greco-Roman worldview said that the idea of God coming in the flesh was absolutely unbelievable and contradicted everything they believed about the physical world. Because the Greco-Roman worldview was that everything physical in the physical world was flawed at best. It was, it was dirty. It was, uh, it was uh, you know, not pure. And so why in the world, if you're telling me that this you know, holy God would come down and associate and soil himself with this physical world, well, that's just an impossible thought. Okay, that's what the Greco-Romans believed. But you also had this Eastern culture mindset, this worldview that said that the idea of God coming in, in, in the flesh, why would he come to the earth? Because everything in this physical earth is, uh, is, um, is illusional and therefore misleading. That you really can't trust this physical world because everything in this, in this world is deceptive, it's misleading, and, it, and, and, it, and it, you're only seeing what your mind will allow you to see. And so why would God come to this earth that's so confusing and so misleading and, and be associated with that? But then you had this third worldview, uh, Judaism. And, and perhaps this was the most difficult worldview to believe that God came in the flesh because they had such a high 
view of, of God. They had the highest view of God and God coming in the flesh was, absolute, was, was actually offensive to them. That why would a holy God come down to us? And, and I know we want to say that, you know, that some people want to say, well, I just can't accept it or I just can't believe it. Well, they couldn't accept it and they couldn't believe it either. And if their culture had just as many intellectual hangups as our culture does towards the belief that God came in the flesh, then we should be asking ourselves, why did thousands and thousands of these original believers believe? See, something had to shatter their intellectual barrier and that something was Jesus. Jesus shattered their intellectual barriers and that's why the writers of the gospel write the way they do. That's why they write with so much detail that they're letting us in, they're letting us see the life of Jesus and how he lived and hear his words and, 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 and discover what it was like to see a risen Lord, not just them, but hundreds and hundreds of people saw him after he rose from the dead. And, the, and we still know people who say, well, I, I hear all that, but I, but I don't believe that. And you know, that's fine. But you still have to account for the story of Jesus somehow. And, 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 but you cannot say that their culture was more open than ours because it wasn't. And, and, and so could we just slow down enough this Christmas season to engage the Christmas story on a cognitive level, on an intellectual level? Could we slow down enough and be present enough to ask questions? Because God can handle our questions about God coming in the flesh. So we have to, we have to let the story of Christmas land on our minds, but we also have to let it land on our hearts transformatively. That we have to engage the story of Christmas with our, with our emotions. We have to engage the story of Christmas uh, to the point that it, it, uh, it impacts our allegiances. See, when the message of Christmas truly lands on our hearts, it, it transforms us. Back in verse 31, um, the, the, uh, the angel says to Mary, he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. You know, Jesus literally means God saves. That Jesus means the Lord saves. And when the message of Christmas lands on our hearts and that Jesus saves, it transforms us. See, the founder of every other religion, every other religion, their founder shows up and says, I have been sent from God or, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm here from God and I'm here to tell you what you must do in order to save yourselves and, and get to God. That's what every religion says. But Christianity is the only religion that, that, that God himself comes and shows up and says, I am God and I came because you can't save yourself, so I'm gonna do it all for you. That Jesus came to live the life we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And, and probably the most difficult part for you and I when it comes to salvation is admitting that we're sinners. Because when you and I, when we admit to God that we're sinners, what that means is we're admitting that we're that we can't, that we can't save ourselves. We're admitting that at some level that we're a failure. 
And nobody likes to lose their pride like that. Nobody likes the, the sense of being out of control. And we hate admitting that we're sinners because we hate believing that God completely saves us because to admit that God did everything for us to, to have forgiveness of sins and a relationship with him and to have eternal life, to admit that he did everything means that we probably owe him something. And I dare say we don't owe him something. We owe him everything. Because salvation is by grace. And if we can get through this loss of pride, if we can get over this sense of losing control and embrace the Christmas message, we will experience a hope and a love and a joy and a peace like we never have. See, once the message of Christmas lands on our minds and our hearts, it, it gives us what we really need in the face of suffering. I mean, you know what it's like to suffer, right? I mean, we all do. I could have you raise your hands like last week, but let's just go ahead and do that. How many of you have ever gone through a season of suffering? Let's just see who we have here. Okay, most of us. And if you didn't raise your hand, you will one day. And, and, and when we go through a season of suffering, and maybe some of you are going through a season of suffering right now, what, what, what's one thing that we want immediately? What we want immediately is answers to our questions, right? When we walk into a season of suffering or we sit down with somebody who's suffering, sooner or later, and it's most of the time sooner, there comes the question of why is this happening? And I think what we've all learned through our suffering, at least what I've learned through my own personal suffering, is that an answer really doesn't fix things that we really don't need answers to our questions in the midst of our suffering. What we need is presence. We need presence of someone. Sometimes when we're going through suffering, and what we need is we just need a friend sometimes just to come and sit with us and to be present, to bring a cup of coffee over or to sit down over a glass of wine and just be present and allow us to talk and, and allow us to, to vent and and just kind of process out loud and, and, and to listen. And this is hard for, especially for some, some of us guys, it's hard for us to, to listen and just listen and not try to fix. Because we want to fix things. But sometimes we just need the presence of a good friend to, to just listen. But see, here's the deal. Christianity is the only religion that tells us that God suffered which means the one true God of Christianity is the only God who can enter into our suffering. And we all want answers. That's just part of you know, facing suffering. But what we need the most is the presence of the only God who knows what it's like to suffer. Because it's this God is the only God who can bind up the broken hearts. It's this God who can give, he's the only God who can give us a living hope. It's this God who can only give us a peace that passes all understanding. It's this God that can only truly relate because he also has suffered in his life. And he suffered for us willingly. 
And so when the meaning and the, of the Christmas story lands on our hearts, we, we get to, more than answers, we get the presence of, of God. God says in Deuteronomy, he says, do not be afraid or terrified. That's a big statement in the midst of our suffering. Because when suffering hits, sorry, when a season of suffering hits, man, I'm scared, I get scared. But the Lord says, do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise of God's presence in the midst of our suffering. And so Mary responds to allowing the meaning of Christmas, the story of Christmas to land on our heart and our mind. And she has three responses. And let me just give them to you real quick as we'll go through this. Mary responded that she doubted honestly. She said, how, how can this be? See, verse 34, Mary says, well, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. And the angel it explains to her what's gonna take place, what's gonna happen. If you back up uh, to, to verse 18, we see the story of Zechariah, who was the husband of Elizabeth, and they're old, okay? And Zechariah is a priest, and he goes into the temple to light the incense, and an angel says, hey, Zechariah, you and your wife are gonna have a baby, and Zechariah asks the same question. How can this be? I'm a really old man. My wife is a really old hat, I mean woman, and um, how in the world is this gonna happen? And the angel says, you know, you're, you're, you're asking a question with a closed heart. You're not gonna be able to speak until your son is born. So same question, two different responses. I mean, this is, is this like a good angel, bad angel kind of routine? But here's the difference. Mary asked a, an open and honest question. Zechariah asked a closed and rhetorical question. And let's slow down enough to ask questions. To read the stories and say, whoa, 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 I... What about this, God? Would God, would you show me who you are? Would you show me uh, how, you know, the, what the life of Jesus means for me? Would you show me what's true and what's not true? And, and, and God gets all over that prayer. So she responded, by, uh, but she doubted honestly. Secondly, she, su she submitted completely. The angel says, you should call him Jesus. Now, parents have the right to name their names. To, name their, uh, to give their children the names they give them, right? I mean, it, it was my right to give, you know, my firstborn son the middle name Vernon, okay? It's a family name. It goes eight generations, all right? It was my right to, to curse him. Know what I mean, Vern? Okay? I have the name Vernon. My dad had the name Vernon. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather. It's, it's, it's the family curse of the name. But parents have that right. But here the angel says, you're gonna call him Jesus. In other words, you don't have the right to name him. In other words, you're not his manager. He is your Lord. He has authority over you, Mary. And for us, if we want to be a part of God's plan, if we want to truly follow Jesus, then it will cost us some of our rights. That Jesus gave up his rights. He gave up his life willingly to save us. And shouldn't we at least in return give up our right to call our own shots? Give up our right to be God, to give up our right to determine what's right and what's wrong for us. So she submitted completely. And last, we'll close with this as the band comes and gets ready to lead us. Mary responded by trusting community, to trust community. See, when, when 
when the angel leaves, Mary's in struggle town, and like any of us would be, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no singing, there's no gender reveal party. You know, it's not like three, two, one, it's a boy. She's in struggle town. And it's not until she goes to Elizabeth because Elizabeth is the only one who's experienced the gospel at this point. And it's not until she goes to Elizabeth because Elizabeth's the only person in the world who won't think she's crazy. Elizabeth's the only person in the world who who has experienced the gospel. And when she gets with Elizabeth, Elizabeth affirms who Mary is. She praises Mary. She explains things to her. And then they rejoice. And what happens is when we get in gospel-centered community, our hope is multiplied. Our love is multiplied. Our peace is multiplied. And our joy is multiplied when we come together with our brothers and sisters and allow the Christmas story, the message of Christmas to land on our hearts and our minds. And so let's slow down this Christmas season and let's be present. I know it's just a song of response, but it's more than that. Let's be present this year.